When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt still feeling a little under the weather today. So it's again Elijah Herbal in studio uh, alongside Connor Clark. Excited to take you through a Thursday edition. I got a lot of good stuff coming your way today as well as some good guests coming up at 425 about 20 minutes from now. Uh, we'll have Brandon Vogel, Hale Varsity Magazine Managing Editor, joining us. We've got Searles coming up next hour. The coach, Gary Barnett, coming at you next hour as well. You can't forget about Danny's Dimes. It's Burke's Best Bets coming your way to wrap up hour two. All that is on the way. But for now, uh, it's just me and Connor taking you through this, uh, this first part of the segment. You can connect with the show today, 402 466 3776. That's 402 402- 466-3776 or 402-466-ESPN. That's easier for you to remember. 1-800-825-5865. That's how you call the show today if you want to be on the air. If you don't want to be on the air, you can uh, tweet at either Connor or myself. Uh, for myself, it's at Herbal Essences. That's where you find Elijah Herbal on Twitter. And uh, you can tweet at me. It's probably the best way to get in contact with me for Connor. It's at C underscore Clark underscore 27. Did I get that one right? Yes. <laughs> That's Great job. Me. Straight pro. Radio professional Elijah Herbley doesn't, uh, doesn't forget a Twitter it's handle. It's complicated with all the – apparently I'm, get, I'm getting bashed for all the underscores. And Are you now? I, apparently it's too many. I feel like it's just hard to say out loud. I feel like that's, it is. It's not like it's anything difficult to go find on Twitter. It looks professional in my humble opinion, mm-hmm. but <laughs> apparently it's hard to say out loud. Does, does, does mine look unprofessional in your opinion? I wouldn't to, say to be, so. To be parodying, I think it's, it's, a, uh, it's pretty humorous. I would say to be parodying a, uh, a hair care brand. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that cease and desist letter someday. <laughs> someday, if I get big. Right now, it's just uh, should get fined over and over again. Occasionally, filling in for for Schmitty and, and producing the show isn't uh, isn't like big enough. Uh, I think uh, the Herbal Essences brand. I guess it's Herbal Essences for them. Herbal Essences for me. Herbal Essences for the brand. I, uh, I'm just not big enough for should them I to be sending that cease and desist letter. Look up what the the spelling of the actual brand. It is slightly different. It is? Herbal, my name, H-E-R-B-E-L. Herbal, H-E-R-B-A-L. For like, uh, if you're referring to things that are of herbs. It does start with an H. It's pretty close. Yeah. It's pretty, oh, I've had people like uh, tweet at me or like take pictures of their hair and send it to me and say, wow, <laughs> thanks to the new Herbal Essences uh, hair care products, my hair is looking amazing. I go like, lady, I don't care. <laughs> Uh, that that I've been rolling with that uh, that Twitter handle probably since like I don't know fifth grade sixth grade. Well, you should. I mean, when you have an opportunity like that, I would. It, 
it's a it's funny and b it's just it's you have the last name so it works out right yeah and i've had people like come up to me and i'm like oh nice to meet you elijah herbal and they go herbal essences oh and i God. go is that what i'm known for now <laughs> the herbal essence i'm You're the, the guy. ceo just start taking that title i'm the guy with the funny twitter handle that's exactly. all i am to you right. <laughs> but uh but yeah connor clark elijah herbal find us follow us on twitter that is where you do so and uh, before we get into some Husker football news, I would just like to to make a comment about my night last night. So Schmitty obviously feeling a little under the weather, um, and uh, I didn't know if I was going to have to work in the, uh, the the morning show this morning for Schmitty. He was supposed to be uh, coming in via tie line unit, uh, which radio terminology means he can do the show from home while he's still feeling under the weather and not have to come in here and you know potentially get us all sick. Uh, so that was an option. Um, and he ended up uh, not. He was still feeling sick. That's why it's, again, Connor and I today. Connor or Schmitty's still feeling under the weather. But last night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity. And uh, and while I'm filling in for Schmitty, I'm going to live like Schmitty, too. Not really. <laughs> uh, but uh, I-, I went downtown to one of those group therapies. I'm sure you've seen those around. You're not 21 yet, are you? I'm not. You're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, But, like, one of the group therapies where you go pedal around and go, uh, like, oh, listen yeah, yeah, to music yeah. way too loudly and interrupt traffic in downtown Lincoln. Right. You've seen those. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they come by Anderson Hall all the time. Yeah, all the time. Let me tell you, it was like 40 degrees outside, so I'm freezing. And uh, ended up like passing out at my house like 9 p.m. So like really living like Schmitty, where I like I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. not with an alarm, just because my body was like done sleeping. I'm like, wow, I've not done this in years. So you're back in high school with that sleep schedule, except minus going to bed at nine o'clock at night. Oh, yeah, high school is like go to bed at 11, wake up at 5, and just still right. feel completely rejuvenated throughout the whole day for some, like on five hours of sleep, just mm-hmm. feeling great. I wish I could Don't know how I did that. it. Don't know how I did it. Don't know how Schmitty does it. He's got his 5 a.m. morning show every single day. I could never do that. Well, I, I, I could do that. Let's, let's, if there's any potential employers out there, future employers, I could definitely do your morning show. Don't get me wrong. Hey, there's no energy drinks holding you back, all right? All right we, we've been off in the weeds for, for way too long here, so let's <laughs> probably get to some Husker football as uh, the Huskers extended two new offers today. Uh, this comes from Greg Smith. You can find him on Twitter as we get our weekly recruiting recon from Greg Smith. Uh, he tweeted out today, the Huskers offering two defensive linemen from the Independence Junior College, uh, which is down in Kansas. Was, shout out Last Chance U. Shout out Last Chance U. They have a new coach now. Oh, really? Yeah, J- Jason that. Brown, is. Uh, he was shown the door after some mm-hmm. – insensitive text he sent to a german player on his team not surprising yeah uh some some insensitive text i'm not going to get further into that but uh tony tony tuioti out at independence community college day offering uh jeffrey mba a defensive lineman as well as i don't even think i'm going to try to pronounce this one i'm i'm not even going to try i I don't want to butcher the poor kid's name Uh, but two new defensive line uh offers extended today uh, which makes sense in the wake of Scott Frost's comments yesterday where he discussed recruiting and, and what the focus is going to be moving forward, especially here in the bye week, because they have a chance to get back out on the road and do some recruiting. We don't have to worry about the, the hectic schedule of uh, a game week. And uh, they reiterated the importance of getting guys that are ready to step in and, and contribute right away. That's going to be huge for this Huskers team because we've been talking about it all year, uh, a little bit less so in the past week after that result against Minnesota. We got into that yesterday in terms of just how the the overreactions have been flying from everywhere after this Minnesota game. But with how close this Husker team is, it makes sense they want guys that are the Juco route, the guys that can come in and play right away, a la Samari Toure, a la, I mean, we thought Marquis Step was going to be ready right away and instead Ramir Johnson has completely shot up the depth chart. But these guys that can come in and make an impact immediately. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean it's, 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 it's going to be big. Yeah, like, Nebraska's swung and missed in the past on some JUCO guys, on some transfer guys. Uh, when you think of Greg Bell, mm-hmm. uh, when you think of, you could even put Marquis Step in that category now with the, the the impact that he has been yet to make on this Husker football team. Uh, we discussed Tyreek Johnson yesterday. I'm not going to put him in the swing and a miss category yet because that Husker secondary has been so solid uh, and you kind of knew what was coming back. He, he still got a lot of time to make an impact for this Huskers team. But the Huskers have, have really not found the impact Juco transfer players that you need if you want to make a quick turnaround within a program. The only thing I'm surprised about seeing with these guys uh, that Nebraska's offered two defensive line players is you go, that doesn't seem to be a place where Nebraska needs instant help. Right. Does it? No, I don't think so. But I think the fact that it's it's become a lot more attractive for defensive recruits probably to come play here because of all the success they've had on the defensive side of the ball. Like Coach Eric Schenander has proven that he can put together a very good defense. And if I'm a defensive lineman out there, I'm going to say, oh, I want to be a part of that. And I know the the wins aren't coming, but the fact that you can play at the one of the highest level, if not arguably the highest level in college athletics – and you can do it very well in a very good conference, that's going to be a, a very attractive uh, selling point to these recruits on the defensive side of the ball. Well, you mentioned just the fact that these defensive guys, I mean, they've shown out. The defense has shown mm-hmm. out over the past two seasons for Nebraska. They, they're going as far as the defense takes them. The offense needs to needs to catch up. But look at that that fracture between the offense and the defense in terms of who's getting it done and who's not. I mean, we can discuss that there's guys leaving on the defense. I mean, there are two defensive linemen going to be leaving for Nebraska. That's why it makes sense they're offering two JUCO guys when you look at uh, Ben Stilley and uh, Damian Daniels going and hitting the road. JoJo Doman, not a defensive line player, but still a front seven guy. He's also going to be hitting the road this offseason. Uh, but I think the, the Husker coaching staff is pretty high on what they have in uh, Isaac Gifford, who is behind uh, JoJo in the depth chart right now. He's been doing some good work on special teams this season, uh, which is in uh, – direct confrontation with the rest of what special teams has been doing this season. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can say anyone that's been on the special teams uh, can be considered uh, happy with their performances when you look at the performance of special teams as a whole, but compare the defense to the performance of special teams and the performance of the offense, and it really does. I mentioned this yesterday. Schmidt and I talked about it on Monday. It feels like there's a, a bit of a double standard between what the expectations are between the defense and what what the, uh, the what is expected from the offense and from the special teams. Yeah, I completely agree with that because you expect the defense and they to you expect them to go out there and just absolutely shut down an offense. I mean, you saw it in Michigan State. You've seen it against some really quality opponents, and then you expect the offense to go out there and maybe weather the storm or get a score every three or four possessions and keep it. Obviously, it's kind of going to be a no-brainer. You're you're expecting a close game whenever Nebraska is playing on a Saturday, so. You expect the defense to go out there and just absolutely play lights out, shut down the other team's offense. But then when the offense is on the field, okay, it, let's pick up a couple of first downs on this drive, or let's show some progress, and then let's go score. Let's not <laughs> jump out of the it's, gate. Let's just go get to the red zone, whatever happens in the red exactly. zone, whatever. That's what it feels like this Husker offense has been mm-hmm. doing. Like, oh, we, we've made it inside the 20. We're good. We're done. Right. We're done. We don't. It's the little victories. Yeah. But, well, I, and I think it, it partly comes down to the depth of, of that defense, but compare – like look at the Husker defensive line on Saturday. The the D line wasn't getting it done. Minnesota was doing a good job running the ball on this Nebraska front seven on Saturday. And what happens? Nebraska comes out and puts a Jordan Riley in the game uh, to start the second half. They, they start changing up. You start putting in other guys, seeing what they can get done. Luke Reimer didn't have his best game on Saturday, and we saw a lot more of Chris Klarovich. Mm-hmm. Klarovich, Klarovich, whatever. Uh, 
and that's that's what this this defense is. They have the depth where someone's not getting it done. You can go put somebody else in, and then compare it to the offense. I know we've hit on this point before, but it, it took until the Northwestern game for us to finally see Teddy Prohoshka out on the field. When you look at what Turner Corcoran has been doing on that left side of the line, it's uh, it's pathetic, honestly. From the highest-rated player to sign Nebraska, and I know he's young, I know it's all about getting reps in the Big Ten, but Turner Corcoran has the lowest pro football focus grade of any player in the Big Ten along, along the offensive line. He has a grade of 28.0. That's an F for reference. Yes, that's terrible. I mean, this is out of 100. If, if you have a, a perfect game on Saturday, you get 100, and Turner Corcoran has a 28. He is the last of any Big Ten lineman to log 100 snaps. There's 90 Big Ten linemen who have logged 100 snaps this year, and Turner Corcoran is sitting 90th out of 90. He, and he's allowed an FBS high, not a Big Ten high, mm-hmm. nationwide, Division One, 40 pressures and 261 pass-blocking snaps. That means almost 20% of the time that he takes a pass-block rep, he loses and allows a pressure. Yeah, I mean, you just can't let that happen, especially in the Big Ten Conference, and you have, you have good pass rushers every single week. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You're going to have a really good guy, a possible NFL caliber guy, lined up across the line of scrimmage from you. And kind of going back to that Minnesota thing that you mentioned too with the game and, and how the defense performed, and I, to me, I feel like that was the most disappointing factor because Minnesota ran all over you on that defensive side of the ball. And I know it was mainly one guy, but still, we haven't seen that from this Husker defense. I mean, you held Kenneth Walker to under 70 yards. He's the leading rusher still. And that's one of those things where, oh, well, maybe it peters out after two, three weeks. But no, he's still the leading rusher. But, but look at what the coaches do at halftime is they go light a fire. The defensive coaches do. They go light mm. a fire under the defense. If you're not getting it done, somebody else yeah. is on that sideline raring to go, ready to go take your spot. And what do we see from the Husker defense in the second half? A much improved performance right. from the Absolutely. secondary. Absolutely. Tanner Morgan looked completely ineffective in the second half. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... I'd go as far as to say is pretty much abandoned their passing game, just started running the ball, and Nebraska's run defense held up in the second half. That's why Nebraska had a chance, and that's been the story of this season, is the fact that Nebraska has a chance not because of anything the offense is doing, but it's always what the defense is doing. When you go back to the double standard that you were talking about, and that there's there's kind of me being a, a victim of that, or not a victim, but like admitting to saying, hey, What's going on, defense? Why are they picking up first downs like it's nothing? Why are they scoring on the first drive of the game? Why are they putting together these great quarters? Like, the first quarter was phenomenal for them. The whole first half was phenomenal for them on the offensive side of the ball. Like, Tanner Morgan looked the best he's looked in a while. He looked like a Heisman candidate. Exactly. So, that that goes back to to the double standard thing that you were talking about. And I, They did make great adjustments in the second half, but to me, well, that was... 1B of the most disappointing thing I saw on Saturday. 1A was definitely the lack of juice coming into that game, and I know that's been a topic of discussion all week long. Yeah, and we're, we're going to get into that a little bit in Hour 2 with Coach Gary Barnett as well as Jeremiah Searles both coming your way uh, to uh, lead off Hour 2. Uh, but to, to get back to this point that we're, we're discussing, it's, it's just the offense does not feel like there is anybody that is ready to come in and, and try to win a starting job should the, the guy in front of him not be getting it done. Prohoshka came in and did it, and then he gets hurt. Uh, I mean, we've seen Nuruddin lock down that starting left guard spot, and that's been awesome, but why did it take six games for us to finally see what he could do? I mean, it's it's just a mystery, I guess, because we can't see behind closed doors, obviously, and they like to disclose injuries and the coaching staff, that is, to keep their opponents guessing, but you and I, we're sitting here doing the exact same thing. We're guessing, okay, why is this happening? Why are you guys 
not ready for this game mentality wise. Why is this person not seeing the field until week seven? I mean, it's, yeah, we, it's we, kind we're, of we're not question, seeing what's right? happening behind closed doors, but I think we can make our judgments from what we see on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. What I see on Saturdays is they are not utilizing their best players. And if there's players that are playing ineffectively, they just get to keep on marching out and seeing the field time after time. Xavier Betts has been, I mean, we had a caller come in and say he's been the, the most dynamic Husker receiving threat this season. And I don't disagree with that. And yet Xavier Betts is not the most used wide receiver. Not even close. I mean, Austin Allen has been consistent, and he's been getting yards, and he has been one of those guys that has been going over the middle, borderline uncoverable, just because of his six nine frame. You can put it up high, and he can go get it. Mm-hmm. And yet, it doesn't feel like there's a concerted game plan to get Austin Allen the ball every single game. Yeah, I mean, the consistency that he's shown has been unbelievable, and that's kind of what you expect from him. Um, but we'd like to see more of that going forward. You mentioned a 6'9 frame. You mentioned Xavier Betts not getting him the ball as much, although he may be the most dynamic receiver we have. Lots of questions still as we roll on into the bye week. And it doesn't feel like there should be questions. It feels like your performance on Saturday right. should determine if you should be on the field. But here we and are. And it feels like that way for the defense. It does not feel like your performance on Saturday determines if you should be on the field for the offense. Not saying time to blow out the assistance, but it's, uh, it's, it's worrying, to say the least, whenever I feel like I'm a better talent evaluator. Brandon Vogel coming up next, Hail Varsity Radio. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! It's a bi-week Thursday here on Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal sitting in alongside... Connor Clark as we fill in for Schmidt, who's a little bit under the weather this week. Uh, you can uh, connect with us on Twitter at Herbal Essences for myself, Elijah Herbal, or at C underscore Clark underscore 27 on Twitter for Connor. That's where you get connected with us today. We don't have the email set up like Chris does. So uh, if you got thoughts on the show, give us a, uh, shoot us a message on Twitter, tweet at us, and uh, we'll get uh, your thoughts on the air as soon as we can. But as of this moment right now, I'm excited to talk with the managing editor of Hale Varsity uh, Magazine and the author Dream Like a Champion. It's Brandon Vogel time here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, how are you beating the bi-week blues this week? Well, last night was a good start uh, with that App State Coastal Carolina game. It might end up being, this isn't a, this isn't a great slate of games, at least it doesn't look that way, which often means you, you end up with a ton of close games and uh, but that Coastal Carolina App State game last night, I was excited about it coming in, and uh, that certainly helped. Otherwise, yeah, I'll probably try to take a break and do some non-football stuff for a Saturday. That's uh, that's my. I'm I'm planning on taking a little camping trip this weekend, if possible, before the weather gets uh, gets too cold. Because I mean, you look at the slate of games this weekend, and you got USC and Notre Dame. That one should be all right. You have Oregon and UCLA, but there's not much else really that I'm excited for uh, on Saturday's slate of games. And like, whenever you have a Husker bye week, you're hoping like, oh man, at least I can be a neutral and, and watch some exciting games. That's just not the case this weekend. Yeah, you gotta you gotta dig dig deep for some uh, some interesting storylines. I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what Northwestern does against Michigan. Um, you know, Northwestern came out last week and beat Rutgers fairly, fairly impressively, I think, based on where I thought Northwestern was at. So, you know, with how, how Michigan plays, uh, I think many of their games are probably going to end up being close in the Big Ten. So that one could be a little bit interesting, but it's, it's a good example. It's one of those where you got to go a little bit off the beaten path to to find a way in. 
Brandon, getting to some some Husker news here. We were talking in the the first segment about what Connor and I see as a, a a fracture of expectations between the defense and the offense, where it feels like the defense is just held to a higher standard than the offense. And I think that's somewhat understandable when you look at the talent on in the defensive unit as compared to the talent of the offensive unit. But it, it just feels like there's n- no room to make a mistake if you're a defensive player. If you're making a mistake, they're going to have that next guy up mentality, whereas the offensive guys – you can make mistakes and it'll be four or five weeks before they try to go try to find a, a replacement. Do, do you, do you agree with that assessment that Connor and I were, uh, were making back in segment one? Yeah, I think there's, there's something there. You know, I think some of that might have to do with uh, a little more, a little more depth or I guess it, a, a lack of depth on the offensive side, although it's better than it has been. So, you know, if this feels like a, a kind of multi-season, facet of, of what Nebraska does, it should probably be diminishing because you look at, and I know wide receiver is kind of the big one. Uh, you, you look there and they have options. Uh, in fact, they, they have enough options that one of the, you know, constant questions after a game is like, well, why didn't we see X receiver more? And why didn't we see Y receiver more? So it, it does seem, you know, Nebraska just kind of seems a little bit, and you're in year four, it seems a little messy still. Like, you should be able to point to things like this and identify, like, okay, if you do that, you're not going to play. Or, you know, if you keep playing this way, you're not going to lose your spot based on one mistake. And it still feels like there's just too much that's up for grabs and in flux with them each week. Brandon, we heard from Scott Frost yesterday saying with this smaller recruiting class in 2021, they're going to start focusing their efforts on finding some some transfer guys and some JUCO guys that can make an instant impact. And uh, we've already seen the Huskers dish out two offers to uh, some defensive linemen from, from uh, junior colleges down in Kansas today. Uh, but on the offensive, ball, it's, uh, offensive side of the ball, I should say, it feels like that's where the Huskers need more rapid improvement. So where do you think the Huskers really need a, a step up uh, in terms of production or, or performance uh, to be able to make a, a jump in performance next season as a team? Yeah, I, I still think uh, running back is probably the the biggest one for me. Um, and, and whether that's via the JUCO ranks or via transfer, um, Ramir Johnson has done everything he's needed to do and he c- continues to get better and I'm encouraged by him. Um, but you look at Nebraska's run game production as a whole, and it's still not there, you know, for, for what I think they need it to be for this offense to look like one that can complement what has so far been a very good defense. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the top priority. Uh, quarterback potentially could be one. You know, Adrian Martinez is going to have a decision to make at the end of this season. Um, so I, I would expect Nebraska to most likely be in the transfer quarterback market. Um, so that'll be a big decision. I, I think you could look at taking one on the offensive line if, if you felt like you saw a good fit, and, and that's probably more of a transfer than a JUCO type of fit as well. I mean, really, outside of maybe tight end, you'd almost, if you felt like you found the right fit, you could use somebody at each of those spots on offense. 
Brennan, you mentioned the quarterback spot, and I want to go back to the Minnesota game on Saturday because we're learning this week, uh, as was kind of rumored over the weekend, that Adrian was dealing with some injury issues going into that game against Minnesota, and yet we still didn't even see a backup. Uh, primarily the, the name that comes to mind is Logan Smothers when you hear all of the practice reports saying how dynamic of a running threat he can be, uh, and the fact that Adrian was almost ineffective running the football on Saturday. Uh, are you surprised, or, or does it give you a, a read into the backup quarterback situation whenever you see that Logan Smothers didn't see the field at all, despite the fact you had almost a completely ineffective uh, threat in running the football in Adrian Martinez? Yeah, I, I'm not totally surprised. I mean, Adrian, with his experience and his ability, if he's at 100%, you know, you drop that down to 70 or 60 or 80, whatever he may have been on Saturday. And it's still a pretty big gap for a what I'll call a first-year quarterback, just in terms of, you know, real game experience in Smothers for, for him to make that back up. And it's it's one of those deals where uh, if the offense is closer to kind of its optimum efficiency, you can feel a little bit better about putting somebody else in there who's who's a little bit healthier and, and still being able to run things. But Adrian Martinez is so much of Nebraska's offense um, right now and really for the, the entire time that he's been here that it gets really, really tough to, to remove that piece of it. And you know, I think Minnesota did a good job of coming in and limiting the QB run. I mean, every team knows they have to try and limit the damage that way. Even if Smothers was able to get some things. I mean, I think I noticed Adrian, you know, feeling or looking less than 100% mm. in, in the passing game a little bit too, it, particularly early on uh, with some of those passes that just missed, you know, it tended to miss high. It felt like uh, a player who, you know, couldn't come down and kind of make that consistent transfer of power come down on his foot and, and make those throws. And when you don't, they tend to shoot a little bit high on you. So, you know, there's that part of it too. But I, I think, you know, who knows where Smothers is at. We haven't seen enough of him for, for me to say definitively. But it wouldn't surprise me if Adrian at 70% was still Nebraska's kind of best chance to win that game. Braden Vogel with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, our topic of discussion yesterday was essentially – uh, the, the reaction to Minnesota uh, has really been more of an overreaction. That's what we were discussing yesterday. With uh, I mean, it went from Nebraska fans going, well, Nebraska's got a chance. Look how close they're playing all these teams. Uh, if a couple plays go, uh, go the right way, Nebraska football could be a top 25 team. And now this week it's, uh, it's back to those same talking points after the Illinois game, which is what is cursed with this Nebraska football team. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like they're ever going to get it done in a close game. And with – three out of uh, your four last games coming against teams that are currently ranked in the top 25, and it's going to be four very good teams. I'm expecting more close football games down the stretch because I I believe more in the performances Nebraska put up against Michigan and Michigan State and Oklahoma than I do in the performance they put up against Minnesota. Uh, So I'm expecting more close games down the stretch. Do you think Nebraska has it in to be able to flip those results from uh, close losses to close wins? Oh, it's tough to say yes with any real degree of confidence because I mean, I I'm really like in the same spot that, that you're in. Like we can all look at these last four games and know it's going to be really, really difficult for, for Nebraska, like in splitting going two and two, which doesn't get them to a bowl game, I think would be a pretty decent result. Um, 
is it decent enough? Well, you know, I guess that's for other people to to decide. But Nebraska will probably, like, unless Purdue comes out and, and beats Wisconsin this week, which they could, um, I expect Nebraska to still be favored at home against Purdue. The, the Wisconsin and Iowa games, they're both going to be in that, you know, plus three, minus three range, I think, either way. So you're right to think you're going to be in some close games. The only one you look at that probably not at this point, because man, is Ohio State playing well, is, is when the Buckeyes come to town. But even that, you get, you get a team like that at home. Um, and Nebraska, I've been looking at it a lot this week, tends to do better when it needs to kind of rise to the occasion against an opponent that's a heavy favorite than it has in these kind of games that you'd call toss-ups before the ball was even kicked off. And then once it has been kicked off, we obviously know that uh, those one-score type of games have not gone their way at all. So I think having this bye week, like these next two games, will probably tell us a lot. If they look better, if they flip one of these one-score results, and then you got another bye week to kind of reset again before those final two games, like, yeah, I could, I could see one or two of these close games finally going Nebraska's way. Last thought here, Brandon. I really appreciate the time. We've got about 60 seconds left here, and i got to go to volleyball. The Huskers remained undefeated last night with a win over Iowa. Rapid reaction to that, and, and just why has this Husker volleyball team, uh, they, they looked a little bit beatable at the end of their non-conference slate, but now they've gotten into conference schedule, and they just look like world beaters. Yeah, um, a bit surprising because the Nebraska-Iowa series is not one that's long on, on Iowa even kind of pushing Nebraska to the degree it did last night. But midweek game, you go on the road, you, you get a sweep out of it, you'll take it. I think the difference has been, you know, post-non-conference, Coach Cook, I think, kind of put it to two of his veteran leaders um, in, in Matt Kubik and Lexi Sun of like, hey, we need some, we need one of you guys to step up. And Matty Kubik is playing amazingly. Um, and I think that's a big piece of it, obviously getting Stivers back. But they're rolling pretty good right now. And uh, I think we'll see them keep that up for another couple of weeks. There he is, Brandon Vogel. Find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. Get his book, Dream Like a Champion, and check out the Hale Varsity magazine. Brandon, appreciate the time today. Have a lovely rest of your Thursday, all right? You too. Thanks a lot. Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery back after this. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thursday edition Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark. Just heard from Brandon L. Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity Radio. That is where you find him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. He is definitely worth your follow as Brandon uh, with uh, some money takes every single week. Talk to him every single Thursday as well as every single Saturday. Speaking of the Saturday morning edition for our local listeners here uh, in Lincoln, as well as those who find it in podcast form across the state, this Saturday's uh, Hail Varsity Radio Saturday morning edition will be a best of Saturday morning edition as uh, Chris Schmidt Still on the uh, the mend on the recovery as he's a little bit under the weather. Mark Cranach is out. I'm taking the uh, the bye week as a chance to take a little quick 36-hour camping trip. So it's going to be Connor Clark in here on a Saturday morning all by himself holding it down. Connor, you feeling nervous at all? Not right now. Maybe <laughs> the closer that we get, maybe. But 
for now we're good. All, all, all will be fine. We're just going to yeah. roll through some of the uh, the best segments of Hail Varsity from this football season. I know back on Tuesday we took you through a best of the 2021 year as uh, we've had some uh, great segments. We had Trev Alberts in the Rewind on uh, Tuesday. If uh, you missed that, you can check out the Rewind uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or uh, the Hail Varsity YouTube page to get the best of. We're going to have another best of coming up on Saturday, but this time we're going to be sticking to what has been said this Husker football season. So that'll be fun. That'll be Connor Clark taking you through that on Saturday. But right now, uh, we still have a few minutes left this hour. Your chance at some Joe Rogan tickets coming up a little bit later this hour. Uh, as uh, Joe Rogan coming to Lincoln a week from tomorrow. Joe Rogan, host of the Joe Rogan Experience, as well as a commentator, UFC. He's done it all. Host of Fear Factor, that's just a classic. I remember growing up watching Joe Rogan on Fear Factor. And uh, I think for a while during the pandemic, Fear Factor was available on Hulu. If I remember correctly, you could uh, get caught up on, on Fear Factor. That's one of those those uh, those shows that just, like, it just reeks of 2004 now. And if you go back <laughs> and watch it, you see all the outfits and uh, the comments Joe Rogan's making. You just go like, wow, this thing is, like, dated. For yeah. sure. For sure. Uh, but we do have a uh, comment in... From Vic, uh, Vic out in Denver, uh, saying, promoted to starter due to injury, you need to bring it with a winky emoji. Thoughts on that, Connor? Um, great thought. That's all I'm going to leave it. <laughs> That's all you're going to leave it at? That's all I'm going to leave it at. Fair enough. I mean, you're the professional here, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you are too, are you not? <laughs> you're getting there. You're getting there, Connor. Uh, remember... At one point in time, you can ask any of the listeners. Listeners can call in and confirm to you. Chris was like, I mean, I, I did not have my producing stuff up to chops back there. And there was like days whenever we just, like could not get any phone calls on a, on a whole show, a whole remote show. It was bad. Mm-hmm. It was bad. But uh, th- th- that's how you go from amateur to professional. It's, exactly. You, you make it through these, these tough times. I mean, we, we got to make it through the dead months of winter. And that I think will be all right. Thanks to Vic for chiming in again. You can chime in 402 466 3776, that's 402 466 ESPN or 1 800 825 5865. What I want to hit here before we're out this segment is a little bit more on Flex comments after the game Saturday, that culture versus skill comment that he made. Uh, and we got into this a little bit yesterday, but we did have Scott Frost's response uh, to those comments. We didn't get to this in the show yesterday. As we heard from Scott uh, yesterday during his. Uh, uh, excuse me, his media availability, his response to, to Flex comments saying he didn't hear it, but uh, the comments were a little bit perplexing to him. No, I don't, I don't make a habit of listening to those press conferences. Um, our culture has come 100 miles. I love where our culture is right now. I think they have some skilled players too, so I'm surprised to hear that. But I hadn't heard that, no. First things first. The beef between Coach Fleck and Scott Frost, it feels real, does it not? It's like it's there, but like it's not there. Like there's there's no it, it's not it. They're always taking like little shots at each other. Yeah, it's like, really weird. You go back to Big Ten media days and you have Scott Frost, oh, I'm not into sloganeering. Right, and then, exactly. And then Fleck comes out like, you know he wanted to beat Scott Frost this weekend. You know he wanted oh, it really, really bad. He knew he had his chance coming off the bye week and the Huskers playing like their eight straight. And he took full advantage of that going after the game and saying the, the culture versus skill thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a very interesting comment because Nebraska obviously is a very rich history when it comes to football specifically. 
And I feel like that carries on to the culture because you you still do the tunnel walk, you still touch the horseshoe, you still have the black shirt tradition, and the defense is quite frankly living up to that tradition. Um, so, and they're bringing back the option. So, like history at Nebraska feeds into the current culture, in my opinion, because Scott Frost is the coach. He won the national championship here in the '90s. So, I think that is a big part of this Nebraska culture. Obviously, Nebraska has skill. Um, Obviously, Minnesota has their culture with the row of the boat and all the other teams try to go into Minneapolis and sink the boat. Uh, I mean, you, you literally have the paddle as the stripe on their Minnesota helmets. You see it all over their facility. It's PJ Flex thing. So obviously they have a culture in place. They've had talent in the past. Um, you've seen them win 11 games before under PJ Flex. So it's an interesting comment to me. I think both teams have a culture. I think both teams have talent. They're in the Big Ten. So... It's kind of an interesting comment and probably maybe a little bit unneeded. Uh, but as you mentioned, the the kind of frost fleck beef, if you will, is carrying on. Yeah, and it's it's confusing to me. And I get it. It's it's this is PJ Fleck also kind of making it about himself. That's what PJ Fleck does. He loves to build his brand up there and, and have a reason to be able to say, oh, like you should come to Minnesota, you should come hire PJ Fleck, and you should talk about me. That's who PJ Fleck is. At least that's my read on it. But Nebraska's culture right now seems to be better than it's been at any point since Bo Pelini left this team. Uh, when you look at the way that Nebraska has battled and fought, and I mean, a lot of other teams in this country with all the one-score losses, all the disappointment would, be, would roll over. And you were worried about that in the first half against Minnesota, but the culture came to the forefront with the fact that Nebraska didn't roll over. Uh, they came out and brought the juice in the second half, and they couldn't get it done, and that's a, a little bit of the... Uh, the 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 frustrating part of this Husker football team is the fact that they consistently don't get it done, which could be indicative of culture as well. But you look at the way special teams has improved. Uh, it still hasn't improved enough as you'd like it to, uh, especially with the, the the one player in Connor Culp, uh, who he's got the yips. Great uh, name, by the way. Connor Culp? Well, at least the first name. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay I see where you're coming from now. I see where you're coming from now. Uh and uh, I guess I don't want to. I don't want to short Jim on the line here. Uh, but the last thing I'll just say about that is the fact that, I mean, this Husker football team has shown improvement, which is a sign of the culture building, the the, the steps they have taken throughout the year, even from the offense from last year to this year, uh, and the fact that they don't want to roll over. But Jim, uh, I want to get to you before we get out this break. Uh, excuse me, this segment I have to get to break. We got about sixty seconds here. Uh, but thanks for calling in. You're on Hale Varsity Radio. Go ahead. Yeah, guys, you're doing a great job. I just wanted to say, you know. I- I don't think people realize how far down uh, the whole program was. And and the first thing, uh, you can go clear back to, to Devaney and, and Osborne, but if you don't have the culture, you know, it doesn't make any difference as far as the talent or, or whatever. So I think Scott's doing it right, and it's going to take a little time, but uh, he's going to get there. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for calling in, Jim. And Jim, yeah, makes a great point here is that culture can't be turned over overnight. P.J. Fleck stepped into a better situation at Minnesota than Scott Frost did here at Nebraska, especially when you look at culture and what Minnesota has been doing from the Jerry Kill years all the way through to now. Uh, they've obviously had some down years there in Minnesota. I, I expect that out of them. They're, they're not – I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the Iowa of the world where I don't think they're going to be on top every single year. But Scott Frost has had to build his culture from the ground up, and we have seen that culture improving. It just hasn't translated to wins on the football field just yet. Wrap up Hour 1 after this. It's Hail Varsity Radio. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Going through a Thursday. 
Tuesday bi-week edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Elijah Herbal alongside Connor Clark taking you through on a Thursday. Chris has uh, the day off, I guess the rest of the week off. So he's feeling a little bit under the weather, uh, but it's, uh, it's going to be me and Connor taking you through the rest of today. And then uh, we have word that the, uh, the man himself, Will Wilson, going to be back in for tomorrow. As uh, Connor, you've got class? I do. I have class until 4.20, so look life at, of a, a look, sophomore in college. Look at you being studious going to class instead I mean, of just skipping it. <laughs> you know what they say, C's get degrees, so as long as you get that, I'm just kidding. What, 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 what class is it? Photojournalism, JOMC 206. Is that with, uh, with Thorson? It is. Uh, I've, heard that's a, uh, I've heard that's a fun one. I heard you just get your, uh, your photos absolutely ripped to shreds. Like, not literally ripped to shreds. But well, yeah. yeah. We don't print them, but... <laughs> it's the, 2021. The, it's a waste of ink. The, the critique is definitely for real, but, um, I, I mean, it's, it's a good class. So at what point are you going to come in here and like start taking some, some nice like professional-level photos of me that I can put all over my Instagram and my Facebook? Well, now that the invitation's open, uh, probably every day. Let's go. Yeah, so. okay, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. My, my Tinder account's looking a little dry right now. <laughs> I need, <laughs> need some better photos up on there. I'll put a watermark on there for you, too. <laughs> oh, I, I guess I got to give you your free advertising. No? I, we're, we've, we've gone off topic again. It's, uh, We're really it's good we at do. that. It's what we do. Uh, the uh, the comment from Vic uh, from Denver, he has uh, made a clarifying statement, is uh, the Skurs backups need to step up if they are going to be uh, put into the game following an injury. That's what Vic meant with his comment there. Okay. Uh, f- full disclosure, I turned it over to you, Connor, because I read that and I went, I'm not quite sure what that means, but maybe <laughs> I'm just dumb here. Maybe I'm just missing something. Uh, and he makes a good point, but the the thing is, is we don't know what these backups can bring. I mean, we saw Smothers for, what, uh, two series in the Michigan State game mm-hmm. whenever Adrian was going to the locker room going through his concussion protocol. We saw Smothers, and we saw Smothers step up. And though there's been reports out there, rumors out there that Smothers isn't ready, uh, we saw him come into a game ready to go. Let's, let's not forget that. Whenever you know you're behind Adrian Martinez, like Smothers knew there, there was no – real competition that like he wasn't going to be a guy who was going to step in and come uh, fill in for Adrian this season. Like we saw from Luke McCaffrey last year, like th- this was Adrian's job and it really wasn't even Adrian's job to lose. It was Adrian's job just for the season. Mm-hmm. And based on what we saw early, early in the season, it uh, didn't look like there was really any chance Smothers was going to start a game barring any injury, but he still came in ready to go. And, and I remember uh, a great story. I'm a Broncos fan. So going back to the, uh, the Tim Tebow years in Denver and even the Tim the Tebow glory days, <laughs> Missed that man, um, but Tim Tebow was not a a guy who showed his quali- showed his quality in practice. There, there's a very famous video out there of Tim Tebow trying to throw to his receiver 15 yards away, and it lands about five yards in front of his feet. <laughs> just comes out of his hands wrong. He was not a practice guy, but whenever the lights were shining brightest, he was a guy who stepped up and made plays. And that's honestly the opposite of what we've seen from Adrian this season. Adrian is a great quarterback for uh, for three and a half quarters. Um, but then the last six minutes of the fourth quarter, he can't step up. And we don't know what we have in a lot of these guys behind the starters on offense. You're not quite sure what you have behind Prohoshka at that tackle spot because we haven't seen anyone. We don't know what we have behind Cam Jurgens, even though Cam's been solid. We don't know what we have behind him. And there could be guys waiting in the wings that are those guys that are going to step up when the lights are brightest, whenever their name is called. And we just don't know it yet. And it, that's why it concerns me that this Husker offense is so reluctant to go to their backups whenever the starters aren't getting it done. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, a question that answers itself here pretty soon, and good thing they have a bye week to kind of get everything figured out, get, give those backups more experience. All right, this is your chance. Joe Rogan tickets a pair of tickets next Friday, Pinnacle Bank Arena. We're going to be taking caller number six here. Caller number six wins a pair of Joe Rogan tickets for next Friday at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Not to disappoint, but it's Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio. Chris, uh, out under the weather today. He'll be back on Monday as uh, he's taking some time to get his body back to 100%. And uh, couldn't have come in a better time really here with the bye week. Uh, it's, uh, it's a time for uh, rest, relaxation, recovery for the Husker football team, as well as for Nebraska media's hardest working man, Chris Schmidt, sitting in alongside Connor Clark, Connor wearing his favorite Bears sweatshirt today. I'm not wearing my Broncos gear because I know it won't help tonight against the Browns. Uh, it'll, it'll take a monumental effort from my Broncos, even despite the fact that the Browns are all banged up. But Connor, we, we heard right before we came back from this segment, but before we get to Coach Barnett, I know everyone's anxiously awaiting uh, getting his thoughts here on the bye week. Uh, but we heard Joe Rogan tickets. They were advertising them right before we came back from break here. Who is our winner last hour for the Joe Rogan tickets? Eva Hurt is our winner. So congratulations to Eva. She was caller number six. Yeah, Eva stays calling, and I've, uh, I've uh, had her win uh, many an item here on Hale Varsity Radio. So thanks, Eva. Loyal listeners, still have one more chance for you to win some Joe Rogan tickets. That's coming up tomorrow. But coming up right here, right now, it's the coach, Gary Barnett. You hear him, hear him every Thursday here on Hale Varsity Radio, and this week is no exception, even though Chris is uh, out sick. Coach, how are we doing? Did you hit the golf course yet today? Uh, well, I did. I just, just finished. As a matter of fact, we had a nice brisk day to play golf here in Colorado. We had one of those days where it was like in a 45 or 50. Make, makes it time for me to go to Arizona, I'll tell you that. But, uh, yeah, got the links, played with Bob Churchish, great Husker quarterback, and uh, we had a good day. Now, now tell me, are, are you a guy who would rather be golfing in that 90, 95 degree weather or that like 45, 50 degree weather? 90, 95 every day of the week. Uh, these old bones work a lot better <laughs> in that kind of heat than it does this kind of cold. I know that. See, my, my thing about cold weather, though, is you can always add more layers to keep yourself warm. And obviously on the golf course, it's a little bit different. You don't want to have more layers be messing up your swing. But there's a, it reaches a point where it gets hot out where you can't take off any less layers. Now you're just naked on the golf course, you know? Well, yeah, but, it, you know, it, everything works better, though. But you just got to be careful with that uh, that uh, cold weather gear. But if you got the right gear, it's okay. But uh, I'd, I'd take that 95-degree day every single time. Well, Coach, uh, I'm thinking that Chris is not on the golf course today as he's recovering, but maybe he's just uh, – maybe he's fooled us all and maybe he's not actually sick. Maybe he just needed a couple days during the bye week to, to get some, uh, some golfing in. Does he have an un- undisclosed injury? Uh, lower leg upper body upper shoulder uh, he's not going to let us know what it is uh something like that blue flu it's something uh, i've officially diagnosed him with the bi-week blues Uh, i got it Mm. yeah well tell him i don't take a week off during bi-week well he's he's not the type either and that's why i'm thinking 
either he's really sick or uh, or he had some important yeah. golf outings to get to this week. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but with uh, with the Huskers on a bye week here, Coach, I, I wanted to get your take on that performance last Saturday against Minnesota because the Huskers had played – it was their eighth straight game without a bye week and added to the fact the University of Nebraska had their fall break uh, for the first half of this week. Uh, and, and the Huskers, they came out flat. It's it's just a, a fact with that first half performance. It was as juiceless as uh, as not having juice can be. The Husker team was just flat all around it. And I want to get your take on this. As uh, Scott remarked in his Wednesday press conference that he didn't really notice it until the locker room right before the game. And, and I want to get your evaluation of those comments. As a head coach, do you need to have a, a better read of your team than just right before the game in the locker room realizing, you know what, th- this team doesn't have it today? No, because every, it's a day-to-day thing. You know, it, it's not like one day's like the other. Um, but there are times when you walk into your locker room and you just sort of know the day before the game or the day of the game. And, it, you know, you've you got to do it. You, you try to do everything you can possibly think of to get them out of that funk. And, you know, they eventually got out of the funk. You know, it's just the first half got them. So badly, and, and Tanner Morgan played so well in the beginning of that game, um, and that's one of the things you you just learn as a team, and as a player, and as a coach, you learn that when you allow yourself to have a uh, a half like that or a start like that, it's really hard to overcome it, and that's just part of the mental discipline and details. You know, I saw Scott's. You know, a couple things that he said, and and he's exactly right. It's the details, and if if your leadership on your football team is, you know, making everybody pay attention to the details, and the details are doing everything the same way, getting yourself ready, knowing when you're ready, knowing when you're not, and doing what you have to do to get yourself ready, uh, you know that that falls on the shoulders of the players, not the coaches. But uh, if they can't take it on, then it's up to the coaches, and then then it's an extra strain. You know, not only are you coaching the game, doing strategies, uh, but now you've got to get your guys mentally ready. You, you know, you hope you have a veteran team that gets themselves ready. And the great teams are the ones that get themselves ready. Coaches take them where they can't take themselves to the next level, but they have to do everything they can do to get themselves to the to a position that they could they could do, uh, you know, and they can get themselves to. And if they don't get themselves to that level, then then you got double duty as a coach. Coach Gary Barnett is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, and Coach on the flip side of things, Nebraska did come out with a lot more life in the second half. The defense uh, played up to the level that we expect from them. Uh, Tanner Morgan did not look like the same player he looked like in the first half, but it was the Husker offense uh, that, again, let the team down as the uh, the red zone efficiency was poor, to say the least. Uh, the special teams unit was improved, but still not as good as it needs to be, and it still ends up as another one-score loss for the Huskers. Uh, tell me, with a, a team with all these one-score losses, at what point does it become demoralizing for that defense uh, to every single week put your offense in a, in a chance to win, and the offense, yet again, can't get it done in a one-score game? Well, you, uh, you have to guard against that carefully, and it, it is, it's a tough scenario um, because once, once 
the defense is getting resentful of what the offense is doing, then you don't you no longer have a team. And that is probably the hardest thing to balance as a coach. And I'm watching it happen here at Colorado as well because our, our defense here has played extremely well. Uh, our offense has not played well. And it would be easy for the defensive players to start resenting the fact that the offense, they're three and out, three and out, three and out. These guys are playing 72, 82, 92 snaps. And the offense is playing 50 and 52 and 60. And so it's, it, it can happen. But leadership has to make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's your locker room, it's your coaching staff. You know, you hope it's your locker room, but if they can't do it, then it's got to be your coaching staff. And that's just one more burden that you have as a coach um, if you have to take that on yourself or, or as a staff. So it, it can happen, and it's, it's probably the worst thing that can happen to a team because that's, that, that division, um, you know, and that doubt, that will just rip a team apart. Coach, you've been there and done that a lot of seasons coaching college football, so I want to ask you, if you were in the shoes of, of Scott Frost this week during the bye week, what, what do you put your focus on? Uh, we, we know the, the Husker team, not as many practices this, this week as a game week, letting them get rested up and recovered. Uh, so, so what do you spend your spare time doing as a coach during this bye week? Well, it, there is no spare time, first of all. But good point. Good point. You... you uh, uh, you you got to take a really good assessment of where your team is. And you have to do your best to listen to your staff and listen to others that that touch your players to find out where they are. And then you have to address that issue. And, and it could be a number of things. But, you know, Scott uh, talked about the details of the game. And I, I think this is a perfect example of when you can deal with the details without – having to put a lot of uh, excess work on your players is for them to, you know, try to get them, show them different ways of details that made a difference in the games that they've played so far. You know, they, they've lost five games by 28 points. You know, that's, that, that's, you're not out of any game. You've been in every game for the most part. And, um, you know, the difference has been the details of the game. So you just start working on that. You got to keep hitting the rock. You just you got to keep believing in your players. You got to keep believing in your system, and uh, you know you can't let doubt creep in as a coach. And I think you spent a lot of time this week making sure that doesn't happen with your coaches, and uh, being an example for your players. So is it fair to say that this bye week can be a bit of a, a mid-season self-scout where you get to kind of look in the mirror instead of at the opponent that's coming on Saturday? Uh, no question. That's exactly what you do. You know, if, if, if you're rolling along and you're 5-1 you're and one or 6-1, and one, that's a different deal. But they're not, you know, and so uh, they have to take a good hard look at themselves and – Everybody's got to look at themselves. They're, they're, they're still in a position to do okay, to finish this year strong. And, uh, again, if it's just the decision of the coaches to do that, that's one thing. It, if you have a decision by players and coaches, then you have a chance. You don't have much of a chance if it's only the coaches making that decision. Now, on the, on the team side of things, Coach, uh, the, the Husker players went eight straight weeks without a bye week. And uh, now they get a little bit of time for rest and relaxation. And, and we saw 
that that performance on Saturday kind of showed that this this team was tired after uh, the effort they put up against Michigan and Michigan State, Oklahoma. They even put up a lot of effort against Northwestern, even though that game didn't end up being that close. Uh, how much can this bye week change the the trajectory of a season now that you get a, a chance to to get your body right? Well, I, I think there's there's two things that happen. One is you break momentum. So if you're rolling along and you've won six or seven straight games or you're five, you know, you're, you're rolling, you don't want a bye week. <laughs> you know, I mean, you like it to get a little healthier to get some guys back, but you want to keep the momentum going. In this case, they probably need a break. They need to step back and look and examine, do a self-examination to see just what they want to do from this point on. And more importantly, what are they willing to do from this point on. So I think in this case it comes at a good time for Nebraska. I, I think you're right. They probably played tired, or at least they thought they were. Um, but it's funny, um, some teams that play six or seven games and then get a bye need it for the rest. And then there's other teams that have played six or seven games and they're on a high and they don't want to stop. So it, it just depends on where you are. Um, with the season and, and how where you're doing. Now, now Coach, with the, the heart of Nebraska's schedule coming up, uh, just in terms of the, the quality of teams they have to play, three of their next four opponents are in the top 25, and then the fourth opponent is Wisconsin at Camp Randall, which is never an easy task. But they do get two weeks and then another bye week, and then you finish with two weeks uh, at the end of the season. Do you expect that with the, these bye weeks crunched together at the end like this, that Nebraska is going to be a, a healthier and uh, more – uh, rested team than, than their opponents are going to be facing, or, or, or am I reading too much into what, what a bye week can do for a team? Well, I, I think you're probably reading too much into it, but uh, I, I think, you know, I sort of hate to see them having one come up in two more weeks um, because hopefully they're going to gain some momentum here and, and make the changes they need to make, and then you don't want to break that momentum. But uh, you, you don't know at this point in time. It, you just got to deal with it, but you. Uh, you definitely have to take advantage of this one. This one is a lot more important than the next one. Now, Coach, last thought before we'll get out of here. The, the Huskers have uh, their work cut out for them if they want to get to a bowl game, if they want to get to 6-6 six and six this year. It means they have to go 3-1 and one against Purdue, uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And knowing that that task is in front of you, do you think that helps motivate a team? Or, or with, with such hard games coming up and with such a, a tough task to getting bowl eligible, do you think that can make – uh, a team a little demoralized going into this stretch, knowing how well you have to do, and it can make a team tighten up because we've seen this Husker team tighten up in big moments. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think so. I think competitors want to compete, and they, they, you know, they'd much rather play Purdue and Iowa and Wisconsin than Bowling Green or, you know, Fordham or whoever. And so, uh, no, it just fires up competitors. And the guys that are playing college football at this level are the ultimate in competitiveness. And so they want to compete. They want to play in these games. So, no, I don't think so. It doesn't demoralize. Not a college athlete, not a college football player. There is Coach Gary Barnett with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Coach, you mentioned about time to head back down to Arizona. Uh, is is that date coming shortly, or, or you, do you just play that by ear? Is it like one of those things where the weather starts getting too cold for golf and you go, all right, time to pack things up and head down? No, heading down next Wednesday, Elijah. I'll be there. 
Uh, I, I arrive at, at uh, 1 o'clock. I'll be on the golf course by 3. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk to you next week from, uh, from down in Arizona where you'll be all warm and toasty. Coach, thanks for making some time today. You got it. Talk to you later. There he is, Coach Gary Barnett, always bringing some good insight. And he really brought some some great insight onto what this bye week can do for the Huskers because uh, I think Husker fans uh, this week have said, well, the, the schedule didn't set up well for Nebraska, having to go eight straight games and then play a bye week. And, well, we saw uh, on Saturday what that effect could be. But Coach saying, you know, it's not always the best thing in the world for a bye week. It doesn't always help the team especially when you're looking at another bye week coming up here in two weeks. That's good stuff. You can catch that full interview, ESPNLincoln.com. If you missed any of it, coming up after the break, we're going to have the man down on the sideline, former Husker, former NFLer, Jeremiah Searles, coming up next on Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rolling through a Thursday here on Hale Varsity Radio. We've already heard from Brandon Vogel and the coach Gary Barnett. If you missed either of those, you can check them out on ESPNLincoln.com under the podcast tab uh, for Hale Varsity Radio, where you can check out the full show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Ask Alexa to play Hale Varsity Radio. You got a lot of options. We still have your weekend betting preview, Burke's Best Bets, coming up here in about 15 minutes. But as of right now, we got to get to the man on the sideline, the silent reporter for the Huskers, former Husker himself, former, uh, let's see, Buffalo Bill, former, uh, I guess it's now Los Angeles Charger and former Minnesota Viking. It's Jeremiah Searles joining us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And I love getting caught up with Searles on a Thursday, especially because he's a man that understands the offensive line play. And and Searles, uh, I know you're used to talking to Chris on a Thursday, but Chris has decided to beat the bye week blues by sticking to me in this chair and claiming that he's sick. Uh, No official paperwork letting me know that he is indeed sick, but that's how he's beating the bye week blues apparently. How are you beating the bye week blues this week? Uh, I mean, I'll be beating the Black Blues by being in a duck blind tomorrow morning and then shooting some clays on Saturday and maybe trying to find some time to get back outside and enjoy the outdoors on Sunday. So I'll definitely be sticking it outside with this beautiful fall weather. That's good. I'm in that same boat as you. I have stuck Connor in the chair for Saturday morning show uh, as I'm going to be out on a camping trip this weekend. It's, it's one of those last weekends where it's like uh, that weather where y- y- you, have to, you have to wear some extra layers, but it's nothing like too crazy, nothing where it's like you're, you're still freezing underneath all your, all your layers. It's, like, it's going to be a, a good weekend for getting outdoors, and you got to enjoy that before the, uh, the real cold weather really comes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's hunt weather time. So as things start to cool down and find me hopefully in a duck blind or a deer stand somewhere and chasing critters, and I love this time of year. I mean, this time of year, it, it does. It feels like football season finally where you're not dealing with a ton of heat. And it's just wild to me, Elijah, that we only have four games left. I mean, it's we're sitting here in the, towards the end of October, and I'm like, man, college football is like winding down already, and I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Oh, I'm sad. I mean, look back to last year. The season was just getting underway for Nebraska at this time last year. Uh, now the, the weather's cooling off, and you're going like, okay, wow, like, like all this whole season that we've been talking about for the past six months, it's almost over. And the Huskers are at three and five after that game against Minnesota. And uh, when talking about the weather, you, you can't 
discuss the weather for this Minnesota game like he could two years ago, uh, where the, the cold weather seemed to play a factor in the Huskers' effort in a loss to Minnesota two years ago. Uh, this time around, it was just the Huskers came out flat in that first half against Minnesota. And, and Jeremiah, you were a man down on the sideline, as I've said before, uh, this segment, and there were reports out there that this Husker silent was just flat in the first half uh, whenever Minnesota jumped out early. Can, can you confirm that? Yeah, it was a weird feeling, Elijah. I mean, when you're down there and you could just kind of feel what this team's energy has been. So, I mean, I've been around except for every game for the Oklahoma game, but I know what this team feels like pregame, what this team feels like when they're ready to rock and roll. And you just could tell there was just a little bit left to desire, left to be desired there. Um, as that was happening, and, and you saw it. We came out flat, and I will say that that stadium is, is a nice stadium, but there's not a lot of energy in that stadium. There's not a lot of juice, and when you go on the road, you got to bring your own juice. We talk about it all the time, but when you go on the road to a team that doesn't have a hostile environment, I mean, you talk Oklahoma, you talk Michigan State, those were hostile environments. Lots of energy from the crowd. There was no energy from the crowd in Minneapolis, so there really was nothing to help get yourself going besides yourself, and it just seemed like watching the tape back that Nebraska looked a little slow in that first half and then Minnesota came out and did their thing. And, and the great thing that what Minnesota does for them is they just eat the clock and never really let you get in a rhythm. So us going out there, going three and out really kind of set that tone for the rest of the game. And we saw, I mean, we played better in the second half, but we just, we just cannot come out and start slow like that. Yeah, despite the fact that Nebraska came out so flat in the first half, they still had multiple opportunities to go and win that game in the second half. And it really came down to poor red zone efficiency from the Huskers. Four times they were inside the 30-yard line in the second half, and four times they failed to get points. Uh, Searles, what was the problem down in the red zone this weekend? You know, the big thing, when you talk about red zone offense, the number one thing you talk about is being able to run the football in there. And so much of what we like to do is run that zone read with Adrian Martinez as we get down in there because it really makes it hard for it seem to be right. Do you take away the run inside or do you take away Adrian on the edge? And uh, You heard Coach Frost saying that Adrian's dealing with some stuff. I think he was a little nicked up for that game more than we anticipated. And so we kind of had to rely on just the inside run game, and we weren't able to get it done. I mean, against the Minnesota front, that is average. <laughs> At best, like I don't think that's an all-star Minnesota front like Michigan's was, or even Michigan State's. I think it was a little bit better. But when you look at it, it's just you got to rely on the run game, and we just haven't been able to rely on the non-quarterback run game this year, and it showed up in a big way in Minneapolis. Now, Searles, you, you know I got to get your take on that goal line call. It was fourth down and goal from about the two-inch line. And Husker fans wanted Nebraska to go under center. They wanted that Adrian Martinez quarterback sneak. Instead, it's uh, Jacquez Yant stumbling and bumbling before getting brought down uh, with no gain, can't get into the end zone. It was, felt like a big momentum-shifting play in that game. Searles, as an offensive lineman, uh, what do you think that those linemen felt whenever the, the call wasn't a sneak on the half-inch yard line? I'll say this. Players play, coaches coach. And so whatever the coach calls, you need to make him right. And I, I think that that's something that, as a player, I've always believed, and we may not agree with what the call is all the time, but it's our job to make the coach right. And I don't care what you call. It could be a counter. It could be an inside zone. It could be a sneak. If you're on the inch yard line, you need to take it, and you need to nut up as an offensive lineman and score with your man. Just take your man. Take your man and drive him into the end zone. You score with your man, the running back's going to score. Now, I mean, Yant scores easily if he doesn't trip over the turf monster. And the other piece of it is is a QB sneak is not always guaranteed. Ask Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Mm. 
I mean, there, there's times where everyone thinks it's automatic and you would assume that it's automatic, but there's things that happen. And so, I mean, the call was a right call, but it was blocked well. I mean, the ants either going to run over that corner or just he's going to glance over off of him. He's going to walk into the end zone if he doesn't trip. And so we can sit here and say we should have done this, should have done that. But at the end of the day, whatever's called on the inch yard line, you just have to know, hey, I'm going to beat my man and I'm going to score. Talking with Jeremiah Searles here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Searles, now we're on to the bye week. The Huskers get a chance to rest, recover, get healthy before a big uh, game against Purdue coming up next weekend. And I got to get your take on what it's like uh, having a disappointing loss like that heading into the bye week. Does it does it spoil the mood or does it light a fire under this team? It's tough. It's tough when you go into a bye week like that. I mean, when you go into a bye week off of a couple stretches of really tough, hard-fought games, and then you go in on a loss with not one of your best played, you do sit there and chew on it a lot. And each person gets, each person will be motivated a little differently. I think some people will sit there and stew on this loss and have it stoke a fire in them and get them ready to go. And some people might be like, man, this is just really hard. It might take longer to get over. But the nice thing about bye week is it's a long time. And you can, you can forget and you can move on from things and you can start focusing on other things of Purdue. But this week, really, is just about the first week of bye week all about getting rested and recovered. I mean, we've gone eight weeks straight as a team here. We're beat up in a lot of positions. we got some people that really need to get healthy. I mean, you lose Deontay Williams. You lose Ramir Johnson. Yeah, Daniels was, a, was dealing with look like a shoulder. And you got Adrian who's nicked up. And you just you need to get your full cast of characters back this first week and and then the second week, you really start looking at the game plan. So I anticipate that this week they were they were sad, melancholy, but it's time to start moving on from that. Jeremiah Searles with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And as you look at the next four games coming up, Jeremiah, and these are obviously some very important games for this Husker team if they would like to make a bowl game. So how do these players kind of keep zoned in mentally? I know they're recovering their bodies and their physical stature, but how do they stay focused throughout this time off from the practice field? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is your leader's got to lead. you got to have your leaders really step up and say, hey, I know it's bye week. I know everyone wants to get away, and it's good to get away. It's good to get away and let the brain not just be so focused on football that you can stress yourself out, recharge. But just when you come back, have the goal in mind of, hey, we're going to win the next four games. And that's what you got to come into this with. It's a new four-game season. It's brand new. And guess what? In two weeks, you get another bye. So really, it's a two-week season, and, and that would be my message. If I was a leader of this team, if I was a captain, if I'm Adrian Martinez, Austin Allen, those guys, I'm going, hey, it's a two-week season. We get a bye week here. We go play Purdue. We go play Wisconsin. We get another bye week, and then we get another two-week season. Like, and that's the way you can really focus and break it up because you only have four, I mean, they're only guaranteed four more at-bats this year. This Husker team, this group that's been grinding together through COVID, through all the summer and everything, you only get four more at bats. And that's the message you got to say is don't take any of these for granted. Some of these might be our last snaps of football ever together. It will be the last snaps that this team will ever play together. Make the most out of it and don't leave this season wondering what if. So I want to focus on the offense here specifically during the bye weekend, and especially that offensive line. A lot's been made of their performance through eight games, uh, especially pass protection, uh, not being able to, to, to generate a, a consistent run game. Is there anything uh, extra teaching-wise that the coaches can, can give these offensive linemen during a bye week to, to you know, put a Band-Aid on some of these issues as we, uh, as we head into the final four games of the season, an important four-game stretch? Yeah, I mean, so the biggest thing coaches do in the bye week is they come back and they self-scout. 
They go watch pretty much every game of the season all over again. They look and say, okay, what have we done well? What have we not done well? What are, what are our bread and butter plays? What are some things that we need to continue to work at? And for me, when you talk about that, is is Greg Austin, Lubick, Frost, those guys are going to go back and look and say, okay, this offensive line that we've kind of rebuilt and put things together and, and whatnot, what do we have to do to then make it so that we can be successful while we run these plays? And so I think a lot of it's going to be Coach Austin, those guys making sure that they put these players in the right position and they look and say, okay, what is Nuri good at? What is Ben Hart good at? What is Turner good at? What are all five of these guys plus Volkolek and Allen? And, okay, what do we do best? And then stick with that. At this point, they're not installing anything new. So it's just a matter of re- refining and redetailing the things you do well. Last thought here, Searles. I know you got your hunting trip uh, planned this weekend. Uh, tell me, what, if, if you get some birds, what, what are you going to be putting on the grill? What, what's the, uh, the Searles specialty? Oh, so, I mean, I love, hopefully, hopefully I'm going to go get some pheasant on Saturday, but I'm hopefully going to kill some mallards, maybe some gadwall and teal tomorrow, some ducks. And uh, early season duck like this before the mallards get here, I love making some jalapeno poppers out of those. Mm. So you get the, the breast out of the duck and you clear out the jalapenos, wrap it with cream cheese and bacon and grill it up on 350 on the smoker and we'll have ourselves a day. See, I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was little and my parents uh, they uh, they got a duck from a family friend who loves going duck hunting. That was never my dad. My dad was always a big pheasant guy. And uh, they decided to make some chili out of it. But what they didn't tell me was that they used duck meat in it. And there was just something wrong with that chili. And they, they wouldn't they wouldn't admit it to me. Would you ever put duck in chili? How, like, is, that a, is that a good combo? I've never tried it since. I've, I've never had duck chili, but I can imagine it being pretty good. Wild game is all about how you cook it. Everyone's had either good experiences or bad experiences with it. Or deer, elk pheasant duck i mean it's a lot about how the preparation of it is because it's so it's such a lean meat i mean cows are so fat that the fat actually tastes good but when you overcook such a lean animal sometimes it's pretty awful well Searles, enjoy that hunting trip this weekend and uh post some pictures with uh with the animals you get all right we'll do it uh, hey schmitty get better buddy we hope you we're, we're thinking about you and hope you're doing well and now and now back to hail varsity radio Back in on a Thursday edition of Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Connor Clark and Elijah Herbal filling in today for Chris Schmidt, who is out sick. But we're excited now to welcome in the pride of Chicago himself. I know Connor is probably going to be a little mad here and that he's going to give Danny a run for his money. But it's Danny Burke joining us uh, to drop some of his dimes. It's time for Burke's Best Bets here, Danny, on VSIN Sports Network, as well as his Bet on Chicago show and the Chicago City cast. Danny, did I get all of those right? Oh, yeah, you nailed it. You got the trifecta, baby. So uh, it gets busy toward the weekend. You know, we. We get vamped up for everything with the Bears and college football around the corner. So that's when the fun starts. And, hey, I mean, look, we had the Bulls' victory last night. And uh, it, it was a close one, to say the least. I don't know if you're following along with it, but that spread was at five. And there was a bucket at the end that counted originally and then was thrown off. So everybody was just thrown into a whirlwind on Chicago Twitter who was sweating out the Bulls, laying the points. But that's why I always advise to lay a little bit more to play the money line. So, uh, it's been exciting times. We're looking forward to a good season. Well, Danny, uh, it's it, it feels a little a little wrong to be getting into a college football betting preview without throwing Nebraska in there. Uh, but still, even without the Huskers, the betting scene rolls on. The first game I'm looking at this weekend in college football before we get to some uh, some pro sports 
is USC and Notre Dame. I'm seeing Notre Dame as a home seven-point favorite. You got any read into this game? Yeah, so I'll actually be in attendance to this game, so I'm pumped to go to this one. And this is really the only game in college that I've bet thus far. And where my attention went was the total in this spot. It opened really low. Uh, Circa out in Las Vegas usually post the opening lines for college football, and they had it like at 53 and a half, 54, and immediately that shot up. And the last I saw, you could still get 57 and a half, and maybe at 58 or 58 and a half. But I bet this game to go over the total of 57 and a half. Look, we know that USC's putting up enough points themselves, and same with Notre Dame. And defensively, look, I, they haven't been world beaters. I mean, there's been some slower games for Notre Dame, but at the end of the day, you know, I just see, see this being kind of a high-scoring shootout going back and forth and back and forth in this rivalry type of game. And both of these offenses really thrive in the passing game as well. So I think that's going to be implemented even more so. In terms of the spread, if you can get Notre Dame under seven, I would lay the points, if anything. But again, now you're seeing like sevens, maybe even getting over that. So I'd just stay away from that one, maybe wait for an in-game bet. But overall, I like the total going over in this one. Danny, the only other really good college football game that uh, that I'm looking at this weekend, unless you want like an Alabama 25-point spread, is uh, is Oregon and UCLA. The Bruins are actually a one-point home favorite over the Oregon Ducks. This this one surprised me a little bit. Uh, I was expecting Oregon to to be the uh, the road favorite, but they're not. UCLA still gets one point. Uh, do you have any any way you're leaning on this one? See exactly what you said there. What makes this game so interesting? Everybody's surprised that Oregon isn't the favorite here. Well, they opened up as the favorite, about a two-point favorite, but all the sharps tackled UCLA here and brought them as high as two and a half. Like you said, now it's kind of dropping down again. But this game is just so perplexing to so many people because you see Oregon, you're like, wait, why Why are they not the favorite against UCLA here? Well, that should tell you something if the line movement was that significant early on, crossing the zero, going in favor of UCLA. So, again, I'm kind of with you, though. I mean, I'm surprised. And it's not that I think, you know, Oregon is that much better of a team than UCLA. I just and surprised that this number moved that dramatically that quickly. So I think this is one that you just stick away from if you like Oregon. But if you have enough confidence in this UCLA team, then you are on the right side of the movement, which is particularly the right side that you want to be on. So if you're leaning toward UCLA, that's your play. If you like Oregon, I suggest you stay away. And like I always kind of mentioned, maybe wait for an in-game bet to see what the momentum of this matchup looks like. But for me, it's a small lean because of that movement toward UCLA, if anything. Well, Danny, those are the college football games I got. So I want to move to some NFL. And tonight we got my Broncos heading to Cleveland and taking on a uh, a pretty injury-ravaged Cleveland Browns team. I know Cleveland was a much bigger favorite earlier in the week, but now they are sitting at only a a one-and-a-half point home favorite. Yeah, I'm going to play this game as a teaser spot for Denver. I'm going to tease them up from plus one and a half up to plus seven and a half and pair that with the Packers. And he teased down the Packers from minus seven and a half down to minus one and a half. Now, the reason, of course, why you're seeing this big line movement for Thursday night, no Baker Mayfield, no Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Uh, The Browns are also missing a bunch of defensive players as well. Just so many guys are banged up. You're getting Jarvis Landry back, cool, but it's going to be Case Keenum throwing it to him. And if they even throw the ball because the weather conditions are going to have gusts of wind, which are more significant to betting a game than the rain is, which is a common misconception. So be sure to always check the weather, especially when it comes to the wind. So this is naturally going to be a lower-scoring affair, hence why you saw the total move down. 
Uh, but in terms of this game, like I said, yeah, I think the Broncos keep this one close. You look at the games that they've won this year, and it's been against, you know, I don't know, inferior opponents is one way you want to put it. I think it's the Jags, Jets, and then maybe the Giants are their three wins this season, if I'm not mistaken. And with the roster Cleveland has at this point, I would pretty much say they're on even playing field with those lackluster squads. So if you're giving me points with Denver, instead of sweating it out, you're under the key number three and seven, so taking a plus one and a half, no thank you. I'd rather take money line at that point. But again, I think the better alternative is to just tease them up. So look, if Denver does lose this game, they can still lose by touchdown, and I would cash that leg in my teaser. So I think that's the best route to go in this game. And because of those weather conditions and these two good run defenses, I'm not going to be taking any props, really. But just look for the teaser spot for Denver. And I would lean for them to win outright. But again, I like more security with this Denver squad. Daniel, let's move to Sunday in the noon slot. The game I like is Chiefs-Titans. We're going to hit some NFL rapid fire here. But the Chiefs are a a four-and-a-half-point road favorite in Tennessee. Yeah, I like this one a lot better when it was that three and a half or four. You saw a lot of movement go toward Kansas City after the game. So if it gets back down to there, I would consider Kansas City. Uh, the only other thing I'd say, it's impossible to bet the under in this game, and that's why it's up to 57 and a half. But it's Chiefs and the over for or, uh, nothing for me. In the three o'clock time slot, I got the Bears and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Danny, the Bears, a 13-point underdog. <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be quite the interesting game. If they let Justin Fields throw the ball, if they do that, which they refuse to do so, this Bears offense, then the Bears can cover this spread because it's high, first of all, which is a big number in the NFL. We're seeing a bunch of them this week. And the Bucks secondary is brutal. They're allowing over like 290 passing yards per game, 280, whatever it is. So if they're passing it, the Bears can cover. More importantly, another angle I like that I tweeted about, look for Bucks first half team total under 16 and a half. Bears have the best first-half defense in the NFL this season, so look for that as a route to bet. Denny, last game here, Sunday night football, Colts and 49ers. The 49ers are a four-point favorite over Indianapolis. This game, like, I don't like the Colts whatsoever. I don't like trusting Carson Wentz, and it's not necessarily the best teaser spot, but I think that's the route I would go. I would tease up Indianapolis here because the 49ers haven't been impressive, and the Colts have some momentum plus if they really utilize Jonathan Taylor like they always should be in the air, on the ground, then they arguably have the more talent in this spot. Not that I trust Carson Wentz, but I trust Jonathan Taylor and the defense really just bolt trenches for the Colts in this spot. So I would take the points or tease up Indy in this game. Danny, dropping insight as always. Danny's dimes uh, coming at you as it's Burke's best bets. Danny, uh, enjoy your weekend and good luck to your Bears on Sunday. Hey, you too, Elijah. Keep up the good work. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. See you by week Thursday here on Hale Varsity Radio, Elijah Herbal and Connor Clark. And Connor, I, I got to ask you, uh, we got Schmitty getting away. Not really getting away. He's he's recovering, but getting away. And uh, I'll, I'll be getting away this weekend going on a going on a camping trip. Uh, I found that's my number one way to, to, you know, get away from it all. Just get out uh, into the woods, preferably away from a phone connection and just kind of sit next to a campfire, eat some hot dogs. Uh, I'll pass on the s'mores, but I'll eat the hot dogs, you know, 
uh, and just kind of get out in nature, find myself a little bit, get away from it all. What's your preferred method whenever, uh, whenever it's vacation time? What do you like to do? Well, first of all, I'm surprised you're not a s'mores guy. I mean, s'mores are great. <sighs> I, I like s'mores. They're overdone. Every, every single time people are sitting around a campfire, they go, oh, let's make s'mores. And they go like, eh, <laughs> eh. In terms of things I want to be eating around a campfire, like number one is various grilled meats. Like well, yeah. a, a hot dog on a stick. Absolutely. Um, like some sort of like a steak in a pan. Like that's like that's premier camping stuff right there. Throw a cast iron pan on top of the uh, on top of the campfire and just cook mm-hmm. up steak in there. Like there's a lot of other items I'd rather be eating around a fire, especially because like on a warm summer day that chocolate can be a little bit melty when you're getting out of the package already. And then you got to throw the, the marshmallow on there and it gets your hands all sticky and you're out camping and you're like, well, I don't have anything I can really clean my hands on here besides my pants, which nobody's <laughs> going to see, but it still just feels kind of gross. Like, yeah. s'mores are overrated in my book. I don't know. I don't go, like, hardcore camping. I don't think I've actually ever gone, like, hardcore camping in my life before. Mm. Usually it's just the s'mores on the, the back deck in the backyard <laughs> during the summer, which is totally it's, it's fine ca- it's, it's like uh, It's camping. It's the diet version of camping. Exactly. It's the, <laughs> yeah, it's the suburb of Chicago version of, of camping, right? So uh, as far as me, as going as far as relaxing. You strike me as a beach guy. A little bit, yeah. In the summer, I like to go to the beach. Um, I don't know. I, I don't really like leaving civilization if that makes mm. sense i like being in kind of the the thick of things and like i'll probably spend my saturday after the radio show sitting around watching college football all day despite the subpar slate of games that we have going on but that's just what i'm gonna do and then just kind of go with the flow with whatever happens but uh, yeah I, I don't think i've ever really been like actual camping before you've been like in like a camper or what's your definition of like not actual camping well like just going out in the woods and sleeping Mm. in a tent like Mm. i used to go to like uh, a a, a golf club would host a a camp out every year (laughs) (laughs) that's probably the closest thing so out in the out in the eighth green just pitching your tent lovely perfect flat (laughs) yeah i'm really exposing myself here when it comes to midwestern stuff but i mean geez yeah I, i don't really I mean, I've I've been to cabins, but that I, that's not camping. It's close. That's close enough. Yeah. It's 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 a step above just sitting on the back patio and making s'mores. It's a step above yeah. that, and it's it's closer. To, I mean, like in a tent is it's definitely too rough in it for some people, and I get that. Mm-hmm. I get that. Their, their back is all sore when they wake up in the morning because <laughs> they're just sleeping on the ground. Uh, but for me, that's like I I need that feeling of like waking up in a tent, that cool, crisp like fall morning air coming in. Like there's something about it just to get away, even if it's one night, only two nights. It it just is that reset that I that I really do need. And uh, last winter, actually, uh, it was during winter, UNL winter break. Um, I took a a camping trip. It was like 24 hours after we got in like six inches of snow. Oh, and it was one of those things I'll probably never do it again. <laughs> but like it brought back that joy of like camping as like an eight year old, where it's like everything's kind of new and you got to figure. It. I really felt like a pioneer, you know. Well, winter break of last year just reminds me of the negative 30 wind chill we got when we got back to campus, along with that, like, 17 inches of snow. So I don't know how you did that, but props to you. It was only, I think it got down to, like, 15 or 20 degrees. That's still pretty cold. It's still pretty pretty cold, cold. but layer up. uh, I got a nice sleeping bag. There you go. Bring a lot of wood for the fire, and it, it wasn't as bad as it sounds. Uh, it, was, it was actually pretty enjoyable. It's probably one of my one of my more remembered camping trips over the past couple of years. Hopefully this weekend will be good though. Uh, I, 
as Connor, you're going to be in on the Saturday morning show, picking up the slack for me. I'm going to be out in the woods doing nothing, sitting around a campfire. Well, you did that food. for me last weekend, so we're repaying. Getting each other back. Getting exactly. each other back. Uh, it's uh, Hail Varsity Radio. Connor Clark, Elijah Herbal filling in for Chris Schmidt. If you missed any of the show today, you can catch the interviews on ESPNLincoln.com or wherever you get your podcasts for the full show. Hail Varsity YouTube page, another good spot. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Elijah Herbal, Will Wilson, bringing you the Friday edition. We'll talk to you then. Uh, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. <laughs>